Hello. Hello, Merlin. Good afternoon, Dan. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm very well. How are you? Fine. How's everything going? Mmm. Very well this day. Mmm. <laughs> Did you enjoy the eclipse yesterday? No. No? Did you stare no. at it? No. Oh. No. Uh, I followed it, you know, on the internet, but uh, we live in a part of town where the sky, she is made of the oatmeal. You do not see things. Ah. Uh. No, it didn't even look like dark, really. Did you, you, didn't, did you get anything? Uh, we got like, uh, I think it was about 70% of the totality. Oh, well, here. That's, that's still pretty good, a totality. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, it got, it got, you know, it got dark like a, like a cloudy day, but the light, the light has a weird look to it when it happens. And then all the shadows are little crescents. And, that's my favorite. That was yeah. my favorite is the photos of shadows. That was amazing. It was really, really neat. Oh, my, my, <laughs> my kids. So originally... This isn't maybe an interesting story for for parents at least. Uh, originally, my kids were going to be taken out of their classes and allowed to look at it, but it turned out that all of the glasses that the school bought, it was brought to their attention that there there might they might be the bogus ones. Uh, the oh ones God, that, are, that was a huge concern. Yeah, and apparently, for people who haven't been following this during the. Um, the weeks leading up to the eclipse, there were some companies that were selling glasses that appeared to be, for all intents and purposes, the correct kind that would keep your eyes safe during the eclipse and allow you to look up at directly at the sun. But even though they said uh, that they had the ISO certification number and everything on the side, that they were, in fact, bogus. And uh, it, I guess some of the parents responded by saying, are you sure these are legit glasses before you take a thousand kids outside and have them stare at the sun? And it was determined that they were probably the bogus ones. So they called all of that off and uh, didn't, didn't let any kids go out to do it. However, uh, they were, oh, they were in, in their classrooms watching it on TV. So, That's nice. yeah. So my, um, my daughter came home and said that she went, it did in fact go outside and looked at the eclipse through sunglasses that one of the kids in her class's dad had brought. And she described them as looking just like regular sunglasses and that she looked up at the sun for a while and other kids were also out there doing it. And, you know, generally speaking, I believe my kids when they tell me stuff. So I didn't have any reason to doubt that what she was saying was true. Uh, but it was kind of a little disturbing because after this big fiasco over the weekend of not being able to allow, not the, as a school, no one going out to look that she was for some reason, just her in her class uh, of all the other students were out there looking. It seemed weird. And my wife was getting concerned and was talking about maybe writing uh, an email to the teacher to find out exactly what went on. Uh, but later it was revealed that evening, right before bedtime, that in fact she had made the whole thing up that in fact her friend did go outside with his, with his dad to look, but only he went and there was some jealousy that only he got to go out and see the eclipse and, and she did not. And wow. so she made up the story about her also going out and getting to share the glasses. And so I don't know if there's a lesson there for me or not other than I don't think believe it's just I think it's a good example <laughs> of uh, uh, the sliding scale of truth. <laughs> it's youth truth. <laughs> youth, youth truth. I think youth truth is a thing. 
I mean, you know, there's a point, you know, you start out and you're, you're a baby and you don't know there's anything but you. Right. And then you can look in a <laughs> right. mirror and you're like, oh my God, there's other stuff and here's me and then there's the rest of the world. But then you learn you can lie and you can say things that aren't true. But like I think to fully encompass, that could just be her lived experience. <laughs> That's, in, you know, her, you know, her version of youth truth. But the other thing is like I, we've talked about this before, but like oftentimes um, my daughter would be very enthusiastic about something, but her storytelling skills leave something to be desired. And I often can't tell what she's talking about where she'll tell me an anecdote from the day and I can't tell if it's really like from a movie or a book or like, you know how it is when you like, you know, she doesn't understand the whole world yet. I don't understand the whole world, but I think, you know, it's a, it's an impressionistic thing being a kid. Now, now the glasses thing is a mess because, Mm -hmm. because I thought, Oh, maybe this will be one of the days where we can see and I'll go on Amazon and I'll buy us some glasses and they're really uh, hard to find. And they were mostly sold out. Right. And then, yeah, I kept hearing what you did. And, God, there was one thing. Some coffee place I saw on Twitter, some coffee place had given out glasses to everybody yesterday. Like, yeah, you buy coffee, you get a free pair of glasses. And then they had to like do this Facebook post. It was like, ah, hmm. do not use these glasses. These are not the right glasses. They will burn your eyes. Right. Did you see on uh, Google Trends, did you see the searches for my eyes hurt? Oh, no. Oh, God. <laughs> I shouldn't laugh. No. No, I did not. Let me see if I can find this. Google Trends. Google. It was, what was the one? Oh, yeah. my God. Google Trends, my eyes hurt. No. Like, rocketed up yesterday. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah apparently, I, like the, I, uh, so I used the little um, cereal box where you put uh, the aluminum foil and a pinhole in it and then you look inside the cereal box uh, with that and, and it it actually shows you it almost looks like a, it was worked very well it almost looks like a little photograph of it it like I didn't expect to see details but like you can see details you can see clouds and I don't you know maybe Syracuse could explain how and why this works but I didn't I didn't question it I just looked in there and then there were some people who came out with the glasses and they're like, oh, you want to use one of these glasses? You want to try looking through? And I thought, well, like, how do I know you don't have the bogus ones? But from what I'd read about it, the ones that are bogus were just like really dark sunglasses. But the ones that are legit, uh, every, it's like absolutely pitch black. Like you can't see anything unless you're staring right at the sun. And then even the sun is sort of dim even dim within looking through the glasses like right um, so that's what these were and i was able to Mm. look at it uh momentarily uh but it it wasn't much better than looking through the pinhole to be honest it wasn't on on tv when you're buying drugs when you're picking up some meth as Uh a dealer okay you usually have one guy come in wearing wireframe glasses not eclipse glasses Mm -hmm. like like you get a german guy and he comes in with a case and he opens the case he takes out an eyedropper and puts some stuff on your meth or your your coke right to see if it's legit Right, and he knows the reagents. I think they're called. So I think there should be something like that for eclipse classes. We're going to need this again in 2024. I know. Oh, and we here in Austin are at the epicenter next uh, next time around. So is that right? Yeah, you're not in the center. You're at the epicenter. That's even more central. Literally the penultimate epicenter. <laughs> wow, that's exciting. Yeah. Well, yesterday was the first day of school. I think as it was for you. Yep, so there's already yep. kind of a lot going on. Yeah. Kind of a kind of a big day. We had a great day. Oh, it was a good day. We had, we had a really good first day of school. Yeah. 
She's got a high quality class uh, composition and uh, a really cool teacher. And the the classroom is very tidy. Well, that's always a good probably, sign. Probably the tidiest classroom I've ever been in. Oh, wow. But yeah, I mean, you know, one day down, however many to go. But uh, yeah, they're still doing the thing where there's going to be, uh, they've still agreed as a fourth grade teacher cohort that they're not going to do tons of homework. I love that. The, scholar, the scholarship is out there that before like fifth grade, the homework is not such a, but what sucks is, uh, I hate this. Nobody cares. The thing that I hate is that, like so the homework she does have is she's got to do a reading log and do like, you know, responding to prompts and stuff like that. Which is like, which is like, like a, a computer, is, like you type a command and it does it does a thing. Yeah, yeah, you get in the terminal. It's called. Uh-huh. But you no, I mean, it just bugs me because like I get why they're doing that, and I'm going to be fancy for a minute, which is that my my daughter reads a redonkulous amount of stuff, but she doesn't like doing the log. You take this thing that's that's like a thing that she naturally loves. I mean, it would be like having an intercourse diary. Like only a weirdo would do that. Like, oh, can I just do this without an assignment? Like, do you really need that? But I guess they do. But so that's that's got actually going to be harder than than a, a stupid internet worksheet. Internet worksheets are the worst. Do you get those? No, I don't have that. <sighs> that that's but the I classic, did. I did have a the classic where, busy work homework where I it's like they obviously found something. Well, you know, it's really it's frustrating because like I understand that notionally the idea is that you're going to be. Uh, amplifying or, uh, you know, get, getting them to, to do at home what they've been doing at school. But a lot, a lot of times it's just something they clearly just got off the internet and printed. <laughs> like, it's crazy. I've, I'm able to go sometimes and find, like, if she forgot her sheet or something, I can frequently find it because it's out there somewhere. <laughs> Somebody just went and... It seems lazy. It's just lazy. Well, they got a lot to do. I know. They do. What were you going to say about homework? Oh, uh, I was just going to say he had to do the... Um, he had to do the the whole journaling and logging of of everything that he read and everything like that, and it, it's just. I mean, I guess they want to know, you know, they don't want to like. I guess it makes it official that, like, they actually did read something if they write it down. Well, let's be honest. What it is, I mean, on the the, the thing that's good or good intentioned is, hey, it's important for kids to read. Mm-hmm. But like, I think it's also just a case of like ticking the box. Like they've got to be able to say, yeah, all these kids read. read. You can tell because they filled out these journals. But, you know, I, I'm sorry. I'm, this, is, this is a brag. This is not even a humble brag. This is an uber brag. Is that like if she had to write down everything that she read, it would sound like she's lying. But then, she, then I got to say, well, honey, how much of Wings of Fire number 10 did you read? And she's mm-hmm. like, uh-huh. I don't know. I just yeah, – she just reads when she doesn't have anything else to do. She's either playing Minecraft or reading. And I don't know. That just – I don't know. I, you know why I say that? Just from my own personal injuries of like feeling mm-hmm. I was a terrible child, okay? I was a bad person. <laughs> but I also walked away from the public school system feeling like there had been a uniquely successful attempt to take everything about the real world and make it into drudgery without yeah. connections. Yeah. And it's like, is there a way that we can make this not drudgery and all about connections? Like, maybe I just have, like, 70s public TV on the brain. But, like, this whole, like, oh, just everything gets so, like, broken up into these little uh, silos of information or what box needs to be ticked for which test. And I'm not crit- – I don't mean to criticize the school system. I know it's bigger than any one school. But, like, I mean, if if you have a kid that likes to read – I'm not saying they shouldn't have to do it, but, like – 
I don't know. I would just I, it, it's one thing that she's really got going for her, and I would hate to see that become something that she associates with feeling guilty about not doing a log. Right. You know, it exactly. Just, it just bugs me. Yeah. I don't know. Hmm. Mm, got to make it a game. Well, oh, I did. Ha- I did have some follow up about Minecraft really briefly. Well, well, I've got, I've got, I've got a huge piece of follow up for you, my friend. But to give me your Minecraft follow up. Well, now I'm intrigued. Uh, oh, well, I've got giant. I've got giant breaking news. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll make it quick then. Uh, there were a bunch of people that had emailed me when I was lamenting the fact that we had the Java version of Minecraft and how do we get the Windows 10 version? And I, I talked about that a little bit because we had wanted to try out the Adventure Time. Uh, theme pack and skins and all of that. Well, that is only available for if you're on a, a, a on a Windows machine. You can't get any of that with the regular Java version of Minecraft. You have to get the Windows 10 version, which is actually uh, the same version as the Minecraft Pocket Edition, just sort of beefed up and brought oh, over to ported? Windows. Yeah, because apparently when Microsoft bought uh, Minecraft. One of the things Mojang. Mojang. One of the things that they did was they started essentially a rewrite of the whole thing in. I'm assuming it's C plus plus or whatever language the uh, the kids use to write games for for Windows and those types of devices. Uh, and so the Java version exists, I guess, in parallel. But it, it, the Java version is sort of the the definitive version. And Fortunately, though, if you've bought the Java version, you can get a free copy of the Windows 10 edition version to oh, run. Oh, that's so nice. We were able can, you bring, to, can you bring your, your worlds over? Of course not. Of course not. But uh. you, you, can, you can have both running in parallel on a machine, uh, the same machine. They don't interfere with one another, and that's what we did. And so he got to enjoy the Adventure Time world and everything else and had a lot of fun with that. But he's almost immediately back to playing the Java version because of all the, in his opinion, it's, it's much better. I don't know why it's better. It's just much better. And of well, can't course, you do it, more mods and stuff. Yeah. You version? can do mods and different theme packs and you can also do better multiplayer. And like, we couldn't, we couldn't play together if he was on the windows 10 version. So he's back to that after, you know, ex- exploring the mind, the um, adventure time world. But I wanted to thank everyone who pointed out to me on Twitter that in fact I could redeem that and get a, get the free license. So I appreciate people uh, who told us about that, and he does. That too. is that is very very good news. Yeah, my daughter keeps accidentally. I honestly I do believe her. She keeps accidentally buying stuff, and she, she I hear screaming from the other room. As she runs in, and she's like, "I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry," because I've just upped the coins. Right, <laughs> I like to keep some coins in the bank. Right, and she goes, "I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. I swear, I swear to God, I did. I was just. But you know the thing is, of course, they put." the little buy button like right where a little thumb would go mm. to like move up and down the page right and she keeps abs- accidentally buying all this crazy stuff there's some good ones in there though she just got one that's super cool oh you know what she's dis- <laughs> she's discovered uh well she goes to the minecraft website a lot and she's discovered seed codes yes the absolutely these are for people who don't play minecraft when you start playing minecraft it has it generates a world and all of the worlds in minecraft unlike many other games uh all of the worlds in minecraft that you inhabit and build things in are um they are generated programmatically so no two are ever the same unless you go into the there's a, a setting in options where you can see the random seed that was used to generate the world 
that you're running around in. And oh, that's what that's so, okay. So, that makes a lot of sense. So let's say that let's say that I I generate a world and I'm like, whoa, this one already has a village right here and it's got a cool mountain formation and there's like a really uh, cool ocean right here and oh man, I got all the resources that I need and oh man, look over here is a desert and in the desert that's got a desert village. So cool. You can look at the seed and you can give that number. It's just a series of numbers. You can give that to the Internet as a whole or to a friend. And if they type that seed in when they're generating a new world, it will be identical to the start of the world that you had. So yes. that's so when people okay. discover like, oh, look, this one, you are on a floating island or whatever. They'll share that she, I'm seed. I'm trying to find the one that she the first one. I walked in the other day and she's got a post-it note with like seven of these on it. Yeah. But um it's not Redstone Mansion. It's not Redwood Forest. But she discovered this one where you put in this code. And it makes this really. It might be. Might be Redstone Mansion. No, but it made this really cool building, and it's got dungeons and bedrooms. And yeah. It's got this whole thing, and she's like, "Oh yeah, you got to go here. You go here. Then you turn left, and you keep going. You keep going." And I was like, <laughs> "Oh, honey, you're so. What are you doing?" But then she walks right up to the Miss Clears, and she's got this cool thing. I love it. I, I I think it's fine to play the Minecraft. I do too. You know, My little girl has just started playing it on her iPad as she turned six. We put what, it on that's there. That's what and she does. Loves yeah, it. She's all all about that. Um, yeah, Minecraft is good. Can, can I give you my breaking news? Yes, please. I'm I'm dying to know what this is. I well, hope it's I'm good. Dying. I it better be good. Well, you you may recall last week, uh, I told you that uh, I'd had lunch at the zoo because we went to the zoo and I threw a bunch of bread away mm-hmm. and I mentioned that we saw the Komodo dragon that it had surgery on its back. It had, my, my daughter said that this was what she told me, and there's all kinds of ways this seemed goofy to me. She said, yeah, the Komodo dragon, that's the only Komodo dragon at a zoo that's had successful back surgery. <laughs> I said, oh, honey, because again, youth truth. Fine. Oh, it looks really cute. So uh, I went on, I tried to do my due diligence. So I spent, I'm going to say a couple of days, but I've been looking around. I went to the zoo website, which mentions the Komodo dragon, but doesn't even have like a photo. Mm-hmm. But you know, they're busy. They got stuff to do. Right. So I finally thought, you know what? I'm going to piss on a spark plug. So this morning I tooted at, uh, at SF Zoo. And here's what, here's what transpired. I said, SF Zoo, is it true that the Komodo dragon had successful back surgery? My kid said, she learned this at zoo camp. Is that accurate? Thanks. And then I put an exclamation point so they won't think I'm mad. And like very, very quickly, I get a response. Mm. At Hot Dogs Ladies. She is correct. He recently got the pins used to help stabilize his back, taken out after 18 months to continue mobility improvement. Wow. How cool is that? So he had the pins. Eight, 18 months of pins. 18 months of pins. I mean, you know, you talk about some specialized veterinary care. How do you diagnose the mobility issues of a Komodo dragon? Very carefully. Is that why, is that why you were posting... Uh, Carmine said one boy and here are two. Is We're getting that... there. We're getting okay. there. All right. No, well, you know, uh, but I just wanted to say thank you very much to SF Zoo, at which we are a member, for which we are a member, with which, by which, we give money uh, every year to SF Zoo. And you get to just walk in and show them your card. Uh, thank you so much to them for responding. Unlike at Moves app, who I'm going to be talking about this week, at Moves app, I have a beef with you. You're not responding to my toots, and I'm getting angry. But SF Zoo, you're in my good books. Thank you so much. Well, one one daughter chance- lied. One daughter uh, told the truth in our, in our <laughs> so far in the show. So what? You, you may ask one question. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, so that was cool. Anyway, I just wanted to let you know. So yeah, there was back surgery. I don't have any proof that this is the only Komodo dragon at a zoo that's had back surgery. Successful it, back surgery. Successful back surgery. <laughs> right. Okay. Good point. Good point. There might've been some botched ones. Right. Right. They just throw it on the pile with the now, elephants. I, I Googled for San Francisco zoo Komodo dragon to see if we could bring more out. And I found, I think the page that you're talking about, which is it's in show notes. Yeah. Okay. Um, but it doesn't. It doesn't go into no. detail now. No, it's not about their Komodo dragon. Just um, a Komodo dragon. It's a Komodo dragon. But it's cool. They repurposed this one little area and they made it a really nice uh, little containment facility. And as they mentioned in that article, I think they mentioned it here. Yeah, this is kind of cool. Uh, transformed in the new Komodo Alley exhibit to accommodate the special needs of this fascinating species, which include creating temperature gradients above eighty-five degrees with isolated hot spots. In the 110 to 120 degree range. You know, the um, Komodo dragon is not endangered. It is considered vulnerable, which is one step above endangered oh, on right. the conservation status list. Okay, looking, looking, looking. So, like, it goes, it goes uh, extinct. Mm-hmm. EW, don't know what that is. CR, don't know what that is. EN, which I guess is endangered. VU for vulnerable, NT for Windows NT, and then yes. at the top is LC for least concern. That's the Mac LC. That's the one that looks like a pizza box. Right. EX, extinct. E de- well, let's go to vulnerable. Let's learn what it means. Extinct. Oh, God, extinct makes me so sad. You got extinct EX. EW is extinct in the wild. Oh, how sad is oh, that? Oh, man. CR critically endangered, EN endangered, VU, uh, Velvet Underground, or vulnerable, <laughs> uh, Windows near threatened, uh, Philips uh, CD, they got conservation dependent, and then least concern, which means screw them. Now, right? is, is, if you were just, I, I got to look something up here. If I just type yeah. in like uh, Blue Jay. Okay. Let's put a raccoon. Blue Jay raccoon. is least concern. So I guess least concern means. It's good. It's fine. Yeah. Did you know yeah, the yeah, blue I think jays so. are known to hide nuts for later consumption? Huh? Is that right? That's what it says. They're they're not not hoarding by nature. N- no, I love that. I love that band. That's a good one. Raccoon. There's no mention of it being a trash panda. The raccoon. So the common raccoon. Oh, look at that. Look at that face. Look at that trash panda. What's up look with you? And you love the raccoons. The one thing that creeps raccoons. me out about a raccoon is when it does things with its hands, mm-hmm. unlike a human or a, or a monkey. They don't grip exactly. Their hands are just kind of fl- almost they like grasp. flexed. Yes. So like when they're washing their hands or whatever, the hands are like flexed. It's like yes. this. Ugh. You know, yeah. and they're not they're not getting in between the fingers when they clean. Oh, that's not good. Yeah. You got all kinds of uh, biomes in there. Yeah. And they look around oh. weird. Like they're always looking over their shoulder weird. They look real suspicious. They look like they're up to something for sure. Yeah, but then, of course... Is a Komodo dragon a big deal? I think it's a pretty big deal. I think they are pretty... I think they're pretty wicked, as animals go. Don't they they slash with their... Let's learn about the Komodo dragon. I'm pretty sure they do a slashy thing with their tail. Komodo dragon. Let's learn about the Komodo dragon. Also known as the Komodo monitor. Mm. It is a large species of lizard found in the Indonesian islands of Komodo... Rinca flores, largest living species of lizard growing to a maximum length of three meters up to 10 feet. I'm sorry. That's not even, that doesn't even impress me. Really? Have you seen them in person? They're very, they're very, uh, they're very chill. I have seen them in person and I feel like we can, as a 
planet we can do better on the lizard front than this. Oh, you break my heart. Are you, are you saying more like a kind of like a pseudo dinosaur type situation? Well, so here's here's something else that I was reading about mm-hmm. is that there are extinct species uh, that were up to 23 feet in size at one point. And maybe that wasn't, as John Syracuse would say, the evolution or the, the biological molecularism of them was not conducive to the environ. Right. But I'm just saying, at one point, there was a 23-foot lizard walking around. That would be pretty badass. And we're not talking dinosaurs. We're talking about liz- just a straight-up straight up lizard. You could do one of those shots where like, you see just the tail and you go, uh-oh, and then the head comes on you. Oh, my God, yeah. 23 feet of lizard. I am not loving this. Speaking of <sighs> lizards, I remember how I told you I had to go down to Florida. Did you know, mm-hmm. Do you know about the iguanas? I do not. <sighs> Tell me about the iguanas. Oh, okay. This is a thing. This is really a thing. Um, Florida iguanas. Yes. In okay. South Florida, I, I know this is true. I don't know if it's Central Florida where I used to live either, but... When my mom mentioned a number of years ago when she was living down there, she said, yeah. Oh, my God, they're overrunning. Yeah. She said, oh, um, there are now there are some iguanas here in my neighborhood that live in the forest. And, you know, and when I if you haven't been to Florida, a forest is just more or less like a swamp. But she's like, they live out there. And I see them sometimes when I'm on my walk and whatever. And. And I didn't, I thought, oh, that's weird. Maybe, you know, there's a few of them, but it's not, I didn't get the idea. I didn't understand that, like you said, they're overrun with iguanas in South Florida. They're everywhere and they're huge. They're compared with elusive pythons in the Everglades. Yes. Iguanas are easy to spot. They can grow to more than five feet long. See? And they like what draws people to Florida. Hmm. Nice landscaping, waterfront views, swimming pools, and sunbathing. One iguana even stopped a first-round tennis match at this year's Miami Open by crawling over a scoreboard onto the court. Jiminy Christmas! <laughs> yes, they are, and they are everywhere. I saw tons of them all around. They're on yeah. the side of the road, on the side of the interstate, just standing there. They're ev- like they are everywhere. It is horrific, horrific. Well, you know, this is kind of one of those duck-sized horse type situations where, like, encountering. One nine-foot Komodo dragon in a zoo, that ain't going to be nothing like just running across a five-foot freaking lizard in a parking lot. Right. It's just right there by your car. It's like it's normal. Yeah. Ugh. And they're, I mean, they are, they're awesome and truly hideous looking. They got, they got like bumps. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Look at this And you know the old, in the 70s, you had the sport coat with the, uh, the patch on the sleeve, on the elbow? Yeah. That, they have that. And they have that on their face. It's just really weird. And they got that big bubble on the side. Yeah. And they Green breathe. Like when you look at them, you, oh like you see their goodness. sides breathing and stuff. And they got, the, they got the spiky tops. I don't want to see anyone breathing like that. No. And I don't like visible breath. But check this out. Go to the Komodo Dragon page. And then scroll down to around 451 parthenog- Parthenogenesis. And look at the Partho... Parthenogenetic baby Komodo dragon at the Chester Zoo in England. Look at that face. Look at that sweet, precious angel. <laughs> oh my God, I would love to have that in my house. It's, yeah, I bet you would. I wonder if you can get a toy Komodo <laughs> or like a teacup. A teacup Komodo. <gasps> Wouldn't you kill for that? You keep it in a vest pocket? Well, I think these things, they have so much disease going on in their mouth mm. that if they bite you, yeah. That 
you die, but you don't die from the, the, the bite itself. You die because their mouth is essentially a rancid trash can. A variety of highly septic bacteria, saliva, this is a, a, a section 4.2 on the uh, Internet Science page. 4.2, saliva, but, 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 contains a variety of highly septic bacteria that would help to bring down prey. After they're done feeding, they'll spend 10 to 15 minutes lip-licking and rubbing their head in the leaves to clean their mouth. Hmm. Gross. Hmm. Oh, my goodness. Venom. Reproduction. Danger to humans. Uh, so yeah. So anyway, yeah. And you know the guy, the guy that used to run the uh, the local paper used to be married to Sharon Stone. He got attacked by a Komodo dragon. Where Phil was Bronstein. he? Uh, I might have been. Let me let's go look. Let's go. Let's go learn about Phil Bronstein's Komodo attack. This is this is a pretty big story. No, I don't want notifications. No, I don't want your newsletter. God damn it, um, Phil Bronstein. Dragon attacks can occur outside of Komodo National Park, too. More than 50 zoos around the world keep the animals as attractions. In 2001, Phil Bronstein, an investigative journalist formerly married to actor Sharon Stone, suffered an unfortunate encounter with a Komodo dragon at the Los Angeles Zoo. Phil didn't know where we were going or why we were going there. It was a complete surprise. Except the invitation. I think it, like, bit him on the foot or something. Was so he there in was a hideous it? moment where the three of us, uh, that moment of stillness, then Phil screamed and we heard this crunching sound. Oh, no. Bronstein managed to pin the lizard's head down with his other foot, but the animal began jerking back and forth in an attempt to maul and eat its prey. It's going to take down a Bronstein. <gasps> Children gathered around the cage's glass wall, Stone recalled, taking in the spectacle. I mm. love when a lizard gets into that zone where it's just going to town on, you know. I, I, got, I got mixed feelings, but I'll tell you, once it's underway, I'm kind of pulling for the lizard. Also, Phil Bronstein looked a little bit like Vlad the Impaler. Um, all, by all means, he should be eaten then. Bronstein. Do you think it would have eaten him? Like if he had just laid down, would it have yeah. eaten his whole body? I think it would have eaten part of him. Just the good yeah. parts? And then it would have just rubbed its, rubbed its mouth around. You ever seen a, so, a gator do a death roll? Mm, yes, and then they take it down to its, its meat locker. Yeah. I learned about that in, uh, in that movie with the knife. Shonen right? knife? Yeah, Shonen knife. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got to know your chicken. What was what the, <laughs> the, that was in that uh, Dundee movie? Oh, yeah, with... Um, does he take it down in the meat locker? Or no, am I thinking of Jaws? What am I thinking of? I think I think that was in that movie. So anyway, that got me thinking. Thank you, SF Zoo. That got me thinking, of course, about the movie The Freshman, which I now really want to watch again. I've added two short YouTube videos to our show notes for this episode, one of which is uh, Burt Parks singing the uh, Komodo Dragon song, and the other one is the clip of uh, Larry London. It's a good movie. Okay. Carmine said, one boy? Here are two. Were you watching? And that's got BD Wong, who went to high school near my house. Is that, that the BD assistant? BD Wong. Wong, the assistant. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's also in, uh, and the band played on. He's in lots of good stuff. BD Wong. He's a local hero here. They should make a statue of him. Don't be Th- creepy. Then they could just remove it. Dan, mm, mm. <laughs> need your uh, Steve Bannon fidget spinner while you're taking down monuments. <laughs> uh, uh. Uh, Dan, where would people find episodes for? Uh, Dan, where would people find show notes for episode Diggity 338 of your Back to Work program? 5x5.tv slash B is in brothers, 2 is in the number, W is in walrus slash 338. 338. You'll also find a link there to take you to Ungainly X-Men, Ungainly X-Men meetup number 18. That's almost going to be right here, right? Tomorrow? Yeah. Thursday? Yeah, September 21st. It's right around the corner. So oh, That's so like a month away. Yeah, something like that. What else is in there? I put some other things in notes. But yeah, that's 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 where you can. Uh, that's the name of that tune. 
Um, would you? We have so here's what we've got. What do we have this week? I have a couple little odds and sods, yeah. and we have I have two bits of feedback and questions from our listeners. Okay, would you like to tell me about something that you like? I'd like to tell you about Form Stack. Form Stack. Form Stack. Gathering. It's all about gathering, hunting, and gathering. But in this case, you're gathering information instead of gathering uh, people to eat, like the Komodo dragon. Grubs. Nut hordes. Is that what they eat in nature? Who's that? The Komodo Com- dragon? The Komodo dragon. All for damn sure find out. Tell me about, uh, tell me about these forms. Well, what's the deal with that? It doesn't integrate with anything, does it? No, it integrates with everything. Uh, what? Yeah. More, more than 40 apps like Salesforce, MailChimp, PayPal. You can set up custom routing via APIs. You can use your, your, your web hooks if you're fancy. And what this does is it lets you gather information from customers, potential customers, clients, vendors, even your employees, hmm. whoever it is, your listeners, if you're doing a podcast, whatever it is you want to do, you can get great responses. And here's the thing. If you were to do this with some other uh, junk software and you want to go in, you're going to have to like manually manage all that data. You're going to have, oh, you want to change a question, you want to add a question, very complicated. Formstack makes all of this stuff incredibly easy. Whether you're doing customer feedback surveys, you can do payments and donations, you can do employee onboarding. I mean, everything and anything under the sun, event management, lead generation, you name it, you can create it with Formstack. And they've even got HIPAA compliance, which is an important thing for a lot of people. I guess if you're collecting data that needs to be secured, that needs to be secret, it's all right there. And uh, they have a special deal for our listeners. If you go to formstack.com slash back to work, you'll receive a free trial. That's good. But you will also get a promo code for 25% off your first three months just by going to that URL. URL again, formstack.com slash back to work. So the next time you want to collect some information from people, this is a wonderful way to do it. Go check them out. We appreciate the support of Formstack. Again, that URL, formstack.com slash back to work. 25% off your first three months. Thanks, Formstack. Buck, buck. Okay, breaking news. Komodo dragon. Komodo dragons are carnivore. Komodo dragons are carnivores. Although they mostly eat carrion, they will also <laughs> ambush carrion bags like in a way bag. Right, they will also right. ambush live prey with a stealthy approach. When suitable prey arrives near a dragon's ambush site, I love this sentence. When suitable prey arrives near a dragon's ambush site, it will suddenly charge at the animal and go for the underside of the throat. It's able to locate its prey using its keen sense of smell, which can locate a dead or dying animal from a range of up to 5.9 miles. (laughs) Oh, my God. Don't die near the ambush site. Right. I I feel like you have an ambush site. If I did, I, I couldn't say. You'll find out. Maybe. <laughs> right. Yes. Right. You will. Komodo dragons have been observed knocking down large pigs and deer with their strong tails. They eat by tearing large chunks of flesh and swallowing them whole while holding the carcass down with their forelegs. What a cool animal. Ah. So badass. You know, there's an ambush bug. Ambush bug. No. There's a comic book character, but there's actually a real, a real insect as well. Hmm. Ambush Bug. Ambush Bug. Oh, Ambush Bug comic character, fictional character, Phimitanae. Yeah, you want Phimitanae. 
lying awake, relying on their superb camouflage. Oh, God, this is going to keep me up at night. Nah, they're fine. Oh, oh, look at that jagged ambush bug. Hmm. Uh, we're learning so much about animals today. I know. What have I got here? I mentioned two cats. Um, uh, this is random, but I happen to be listening. There's this podcast I like a lot called 20,000 Hertz. And it's a very good one of those real uh, sonic kind of podcasts. They do a really nice job with sound. And I put an uh, episode of theirs in show notes for lots of reasons. The episode is called Fight or Flight. Um, and it's a well, – first of all, it's, it's going to be a, a sort of anxiety-producing episode for some people because it's basically about – People who have uh, – whether it's a fear of flying, fear of taking off, fear of landing, claustrophobia, agoraphobia, whatever it is, a lot of people have anxieties and fears about flying. And they talk to a pilot and talk about what all the sounds on a plane are and then they talk about how you can potentially mitigate that through you know, knowing what those things are, through things like noise-canceling headphones. Yes, this season is sponsored by Bose. But, uh, but they also talk with the psychologist about that ex- kind of – what's that called? That exposure – therapy you do for people right what's that what's the name of that i forgot i thought i thought that's what it was called exposure therapy but it's like for people with ptsd or people with like really terrible uh, anxieties or like the, the vomiting guy um you know you can basically slowly expose yourself to something um and it was i just thought it was really good and i think people would like the episode it's it's a really good podcast in general but i thought this one this one hit a couple of our uh, of our topics that we talk about a lot and what was the one line this woman said? It was in talking about basically going through this kind of therapy where you get accustomed to what the sounds are, you expose yourself to it in a way that is um, you know, not dangerous. And she had this great quote, just because you feel this doesn't mean that thing is going to happen. Separating the way you feel about something happening from it actually happening. And that really, that hit on all cylinders for me. Sorry, that was kind of random. No, I think that's excellent. Are you afraid to fly? Does even the thought of boarding a plane make you anxious? You're not alone. Millions suffer. They say like up to one in three people have a fear of flying. I mean, it, it seems pretty common. And you often, you know, see a lot of bars in uh, in the airports. And that's that's because that's how many people, most people, a lot of people mitigate that fear because they're – you know, they they want to go and get a, a bit of a drink the same way that if you're going to go do some public speaking stuff that, you know, oh, you, yeah. you might just you might just take a drink beforehand, to sort of calm your nerves. I think people do that a lot. And, I you know, I flew like I mentioned, I, I took my son to Florida uh, and it was his first time in a plane and uh, a flying anywhere. And, you know, I was just kind of thinking, I wonder how it's going to be for him. Is he going to be all right? Because I remember vividly being a little kid. And being just exhilarated by flying and, and thrilled uh, that, you know, I was doing this amazing thing. Like we were up in the sky in the plane. I could see everything. It was it was kind of amazing to me. And my flying anxiety, which I have since conquered, but my flying anxiety that I had for many years uh, was – it developed later. And I don't really know why it developed. I don't really know. Isn't that interesting? What, like what what went from this exhilarating feeling of of you know exploring the world and just being free to 
total fear and you know almost uh, almost like a like a, a panicking kind of a feeling like yeah, when a feeling of like need, needing to avoid this at all costs right i mean there were yeah. opportunities that i had had in in jobs and things like that where you know where it was clear that oh you know go and get this training or go to this conference or go to the corporate office or whatever and that that if if I had done that, that that would have led to better opportunities, uh, promotions, whatever in the job, and that by not doing it or by chickening out, that I was harming potentially harming my um, career in that company, and that happened multiple times for me because it was just like I I was just like no like I'm not I'm not going right. to fly anywhere or travel anywhere unless I absolutely have no choice unless I absolutely have I think to. we I think almost all of us have things like that but you know there's I mean the one somewhat obvious answer maybe is that as you get older you just learn more right, right. so like for example like the way that I drove when I was 19 terrifies me the idea that there's anybody on the I road know, right now who drives the way that I drove when I was 19 is chilling to me because I, I was a genuinely dangerous driver. I, like I drove I hear that. really, really fast. So, I mean, that's the one kind of thing, which is this sort of sensible, well, I didn't know then what I know now. But then maybe just secondarily from that is the sense of like, oh, this thing sounds a lot like this other thing that I don't like. So if you know you don't like being locked in a trunk, you're probably not going to love being on an airplane and not knowing if the flight's going to land and leave at a certain time. And there's all kinds of things associated with that. But But the phenomenon you're describing is so interesting because when we think about our fears – Maybe this is just the result of years of Freudian psychology, but we – I think – at least I tend to think that you develop something at a certain point when you're young and then that becomes your perma-hang-up title, right? <laughs> that like you had this bad experience, like you know, somebody shamed you at school and now that's always going to be this – you know, your cross to bear. But, you know, but the other – think about like your kid and like what they're – your kid and what they're scared of. Where like with with my kid, like it's funny how like there are some things where she had for a long time, like she she doesn't remember this, but she'd seen Coraline a couple times when she was really little and it didn't bother her. And then she got a little older right. and I think that the parent stuff in that really scared her and now she likes it again, right? Or like, for example, what did we just watch? What were we watching? The one kid, oh, we were watching Clue because we had a sleepover the other night and we played Clue. And then we ended up watching some of the movie Clue. And our sleepover guest was kind of freaked out by it, like was kind of scared. Same age oh, really? as our daughter. Yeah. And this is a kid who's like on two soccer teams and she's super tough and she's broken her wrist a bunch of times and she's a total badass. But like every kid is so different and you never know. This is just with kids, let alone with adults. We're really broken inside. Little kids have reasons to be that way. But, but like we've got all these like voodoo phantom reasons why we have these feelings. But like we – are const- I feel like I am at least constantly like revisiting these things I don't want to happen. Right. And then the idea of actually having to confront that is just chilling. But um, yeah, I don't know. But it also doesn't help that plane flight is, is, is legitimately crummy nowadays. Yeah, it really is. And I actually, um, I, I, I sprung for the extended room seats uh, yeah, you got the extra room, extra space, extra. Yeah, yeah, we did that too, and it was totally worth it. It's really worth it, and if for no other reason, like you get to board a little bit earlier, and when you have a kid who's like waiting already, 
and yeah. you know there's going to be delays and things. I thought, you know, I'm not just going to spend extra money and make his first flight really good, you know. And it it was worth it. But like you said, it really is. It is. Um, it is just so uncomfortable. And I remember, I vividly remember being a little kid, and I, I mean. You know, your memory it was so fancy. Everything was so fancy. Your memory gets twisted and warped a little bit as you get older. But as I remember it, I am absolutely 100 percent sure that they brought me out the little wings. Oh, absolutely. You know, and and I and they used to have a little pin on the back. I think now they've got like adhesive, but it used to be they pin it on your shirt. Right. That was so it, cool. it was yeah. pinned. And apparently before my time, they even had metal ones. Oh, mine were so cool. mine were always plastic, but I had a number of Delta ones and Eastern. I know, it was always Delta for us. That's Florida. Yeah. yeah, and so I just vividly remembered that. And I, the part that I'm not sure about, but I feel like it happened. But maybe it's because I saw airplane a lot. But I'm pretty sure that the pilot came out and said hi. I feel like that happened. I, I wouldn't bet if my life. You made life up that memory. It. I made up that memory too because I had the same. Oh, and also getting to visit the cockpit. I got oh, to. Yeah, at I these totally pins. got to do that. Go search for Delta Wings pins. Delta oh, Wings. Oh my god! Pin. I so had these. Yeah, there they are. Oh my god! I didn't have metal ones. The ones I had were always plastic. No, and they were so nice. They were always so nice. I flew on my own for the first time when I was seven. Me too. Same and age. Yeah, yeah, and but they were it was great. I mean, they really it was like white glove service and they would like really dote over you yes. and they had all the little books and stuff and for breakfast there'd be scr- hot scrambled eggs yes. and like and that's eh, old man. Real talk, silverware. Real silver. <laughs> the trays were made of porcelain and the goblets were crystal. But you know what? Like my son was happy with the terra chips, you know? Like that was fine. Good ass chip. Yeah. Next time, remember. Remember that you can go, go up and front. help yourself. I didn't know about that. It's right. Uh, it's always right by the bathroom, though, which is kind of... Ugh. Yeah. Maybe I don't um, want that after all. Anyway, check out that, uh, check out that episode of uh, 20,000 Hertz. It's a very good show. 20,000 Hertz. Comment said one boy. Here are two. Look at that. Some of these pins that say like 747 on them. Look at that. Oh, these are handsome. Wow. This is when they knew how to make a good cheap toy. Wow, look at that! What's the you know what's so hard about handing these things? Is it really are we are are the airlines in that bad a shape that they can't make you know fifteen of these pins to have yeah, on hand? Deregulation, you know, their margins are not what they used yeah, to be. Break. They boo, used to charge who? Well, flights used to be a lot more costly. Like when I was a kid, it was a big deal. Like in 1974 dollars, like that was a lot of money to fly from Ohio to Florida. Yes. We would, you know, we would occasionally would drive. That's the irony today is that, you know, you have that funny thing where you're like trying to find the right flight and you're going to kayak and you're going to Siku and you're going to all the places and you're trying to think of all the different factors. And like in the case of this last trip, as I mentioned, I flew out with my family, flew back by myself and then they flew back uh, a few days later and like trying to get all of that arranged and like there's any pieces that could go wrong and are you going to get the car and they got to check into the hotel at a certain time and if you're late you let them know and there's just there's so much hassle to that but like for example like when we uh, went to New York uh, a few years ago it was just way easier to like the, we were in I think at the time we were in Boston and then we were going to go and it was just easier to take a train it's like if you account for all of the hassle of all the luggage and paying $30 a bag or $35 a bag, it was just so much more fun to take Amtrak. And like it's got a dining car and you can like walk around and it's really mellow and nobody's hassling you and it's quiet. 
there's lots more room. Mm-hmm. You have to like do this new kind of uh, arithmetic about like, well, is there any leg of this trip that actually might be made easier by driving or taking a train or something else? You know? Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> you know what? You should use this for show art. You like you like email, right? That's your thing. I now? do. I love email. That's better than texting. I don't right? Get enough. Because your setup, right? Yeah. All right, I'll email this to you with uh, email. What is it? Is it cool Delta King? Wings? Delta Wings. I already Can got you get some. One for, will you make some for special show art? Yeah. Okay, thank you. I already had started on one. I wonder if you picked the same one that I have right here. Just white one, white background. The white background. Drop shadow. I already got it. Yeah. I already got it. Yeah. All right. <laughs> on the same page. Yeah. Uh, I'm looking at it right now. What else we got here? We got some... Um, I've got two things from listeners I'd like to uh, respond to. If, yeah, if you don't mind. let's do it. One of them is a, is a moldy oldie, but I think it's worth revisiting. Um, our friend Dr. Don, listener Don, writes saying, "Hey guys, I've really enjoyed the recent discussions on Back to Work uh, that Merlin does, talking about uh, Exist.io, which is that site that aggregates a bunch of your self tracking information to try and give you interesting insights." Um, writing to suggest a potential deep dive on the topic for an upcoming show. Thank you, uh, Dr. Don, listener Dr. Don. I don't know if I want to do a super deep dive, but I thought it might be fun to update at least Merlin's world of yeah. self-tracking. Because, I don't know, I mean, there's been some developments, some good, some bad. But the basic, the basic idea is that um, I, ha- I have an Apple Watch and I have a Fitbit, and I do wear both because I'm a weirdo. Uh, the reason I use the the Fitbit, yes, I know you can track sleep on a watch, kind of. Uh, Fitbit does it automatically. If you're uh, not in motion for like an hour, like it detects when you're sleeping and automatically. So if you take a nap or something, it enters that. You don't have to click anything at night. You just go to bed and it just starts tracking and it works really, really well. Uh, other thing Fitbit does, I don't mean to sound defensive, but just to explain like why you would want to have two devices, Fitbit also does what seems to be a pretty okay job of tracking the four, roughly four different states of your sleep. That's interesting. Right. So it's able to detect, I guess, I don't know what the secret sauce is for this. Some of it obviously, well, it can detect if you're awake and that shows up as red on a graph. So if you're awake, it's that's good to know. Like when were the times that you were awake? It tracks light sleep, deep sleep, and REM sleep. And so you're able to like track that over time, which is, I, I think, fascinating. And the beginning of this bigger world of like, what are the knock-on effects to the rest of my life if sleep changes in the same way that what are the effects to the rest of this, whether it's weather, right. weight, food, any of these things. And a site like exist.io is there to, uh, in, uh, in scare quotes, <laughs> try to aggregate this and come up with interesting relationships, which it kind of does well sometimes and does hilariously badly other times but that's the basic idea um and so i track i do all the stuff that apple watch tracks automatically i have a very modest goal for exercise um and i I try to hit my exercise every day and i uh try to hit my what's the first one not exercise but what's the easy one what's the easy one is like activity i guess uh, activity and um, um, stand goal, I, I hit pretty much every day. And then I one day out of eight, I hit the, the big red exercise, 30 minutes of exercise goal. I think that involves your heartbeat being uh, elevated and stuff like that. Um, so I track all that stuff. I don't track food right now. I track my weight. Wythings automatically tracks my weight and sends that up. That also does heartbeat. It also does stuff like the Wything scale that I have also does stuff like air quality, which is kind of interesting. Uh, that's cool. 
and that tracks that over time. It detects different people in your house. So like in our case, three different people can use the scale and it like tracks all those different people's weights, et cetera. Uh, oh, and your fat content, uh, it estimates, I guess. And then with the Fitbit, I track steps, I track, you know, workouts. Another nice thing Fitbit does is it automatically detects when you've been in motion for a certain number of minutes. So you say, for example, you, there's settings to go in and say, like, when you detect that I've been walking for 10 minutes, count that as a workout. If I've been rowing for this many minutes, whatever, and it can detect that, et cetera. And so, I don't know, I just do that because I'm a weirdo, and I think that stuff is interesting. And in the case of sleep, it's become very useful to me as what I've come to call a video game. Where like I wake up every morning and I see how I did with sleep. And then I try to look at ways that I can improve it. And I've actually, I actually kind of have gotten better at that over time um, through Fitbit. That's Fitbit very at cool. O- at 10 o'clock, my, my wrist buzzes and it says, okay, time to start getting ready for bed. And I try really, really hard to then like be in bed by 11. Um, doesn't always work, but doesn't matter. Doesn't matter if it works. It matters that I'm doing it. And so uh, I find that stuff handy. Now you get to exist. Now, there may be other things like this, but exist is the closest to what I hope this stuff can become. So you go to exist.io and you get an account and then you hook it up with your different services. You say, use this service to track my steps. And it works with Apple Health. So you could say, use this to track my steps. Use this to track my weight. Use this to track. Uh, You can also do a mood thing where you can go in and say, like, you can give a one to five for how your day is going. Um, I don't do that, but I can definitely see how it's useful. If you have an idea in mind about a certain time of day when you've decided whether this was a good day or a bad day, you put that in. And that becomes really helpful because now you're going to see things like you tend to have a good day with this amount of sleep or this amount of exercise, et cetera, et cetera. And it even keeps track of stuff like weather. And using an app like Moves, which I'm going to talk about more in a second, uh, it can also do stuff like track where you are. So it it, it can even account for things like, you know – locations that you go to a lot and all that stuff gets all smashed together and and then it tries to draw it takes a while it takes at least a few weeks but it eventually shows you a rolling average over time of how you're doing with all of your things in one dashboard but then also what it can infer about the relationships between those things which is where there's still a huge amount of opportunity and a fair amount of silliness right now which i'd like to talk about okay first of all i, I want to just bitch for a minute about moves um, I got two beats with Moves right now. Moves has been a pretty dependable app for saying, okay, detect when I'm at home, detect when I'm at work. Um, and then, you know, what you can do is basically you go in and kind of teach it where you go. It uses Foursquare data. So when I'm at my kid's school, it now knows, oh, this is when you're at your kid's school. When you're at this location that you go to a lot, it knows that. And it's, I, I believe, privately um, recording all of that. Now, that can get pushed in to exist. That gets pushed into Gyroscope, an iOS app that does a lot of this stuff. And uh, I just think it's really great. So here's my two beefs. Number one, Moves just stopped working. Um, I'm on a 10 beta. I'm not on 11 on my phone. But on the 10 beta, at least, I don't know if it's the beta part, but Moves has just stopped launching. But the part that really pisses me off is the company is not saying anything about it. Mm. They're still tooting right along and dropping out all the little hashtags. Normally, I wouldn't care. Normally, I go, oh, no harm, no foul. I'll just use a different uh, photo editing app or I'll use a different uh, writing app. Like That's a bummer. But in this case, like I don't even know if my data is being captured. And shame on you, Moves app, at Moves app. You should say something about this. People are bitching at you about this. And if we're losing data, I think we should know about it. And that's all I'm going to say about that. Because I like, to, I like to, that stuff to be captured. It's really useful to me. But uh, so, yeah, that, that's, the, that's the setup. 
that's a long setup. But the setup is that like I find it useful to track this stuff, and then I'm 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 I look in on exist.io maybe once a week to see what it thinks it detects about me. <laughs> did you get the graphic that I sent you? Yes, I did. I was looking at that uh, right before the show. It seems like. <laughs> Let's explain what this is. <clears throat> yeah, because it's 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 kind of interesting, and I it's think it's by turns it's by turns ridiculously <laughs> obvious and utterly inscrutable. But like so you wake up later is, when it's the weekend. Well, yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah. But yeah, the idea is that it goes in. So once you're in exist, you can go to this tab called data, and under data you go to correlations. And so you can see the things that are just like on the homepage, it'll show you the strongest correlations, but you can also say, show me factors related to the time that I was asleep. Show me factors related to the number of floors, active minutes, elevations that I had. Show me stuff related to the weather. Show me related to food and weight and all of these things. And then what it does is, I don't know how it does this, but it has some secret sauce where it's figuring out. So the, the things that it shows you here are for each one of the correlations that it finds, you show the amount of data that it's using, the number of days. It shows you how related it is, expressed as a percentage, and using uh, one to five stars, how confident it is in that correlation that it's drawn. So far, so good? Yes. Okay, so here's, according to exist.io, I'm making fun of this because I think this still has possibilities, but it is funny. So here's my strongest correlation. Um, At 66% relatedness, 150 days of data, uh, which I think it's its maximum amount that it's, you know, chunking on right and five stars of confidence it announces with pride that i get more steps when i work out more okay number two 50 percent related five stars of confidence your weight is higher after the days are shorter okay your weight is higher after the day is cooler mm. you wake up later when it's the weekend you go to bed later when the day is cooler you spend more time active when you have a better day. I haven't been doing that for a while, so that's old data. Your weight is higher after you wake less during sleep. Your weight is higher after you wake up later. So <laughs> some of those are not particularly useful, right. but I continue to hold out hope. I just want to feed this machine because I still have bright optimism for what this will be able to do as they improve the way that they track this stuff. Well, first of all, it's still just interesting to me. I'm on the page for data and the subpage of averages, which shows I can just go look at, based on all of my data, what my averages are for each day. And it is, it is kind of striking. I get an average of 8,500 steps on a Saturday, and I get an average of 10,496 steps on a Monday. I think that's kind of interesting to know. Number of active minutes. I do way fewer floors on a Saturday. I do way more floors on a Tuesday. When's your average bedtime for a given night? So just by itself, it's nice to see all this in one place. And I do think that is handy. The correlations, I think they still need a little bit of love, but I'm very interested in what they'll do with this. But just the fact that it's being tracked and that I can look at it continues to motivate me to try and improve my numbers. Right. Even if I don't see the perfect correlations all the time or understand exactly how they're coming up with that, I still find it very useful. Um, so that's why I do that. Well, you know, and there's something to be said for seeing the information presented together. You know what I'm saying? That even though you might say, wow, that, that's obvious, I sleep later on the weekends, big surprise. Yeah. There's still a value to that, to seeing it in a factual sense, isn't there? 
Oh, I, I absolutely agree. I mean, some of the obvious ones are, I mean, some of these are, for lack of a better word, I guess, um, actionable. Like I, I've discovered that I tend to feel better. I don't, I didn't necessarily need a graph to tell me this, but I know I feel better if I try to consistently get to bed before 11. Again, right. I don't hit it every night, but now I know that. And so I've tried to put an infrastructure in place that in order to feel better, I will try to go to bed at 11, especially now that school's back up. Oh my God, I'm so glad school is back. My schedule is all like normal again. I've rescheduled things to like be sensible for when I have pick up and drop off. And right. there's re- regularity now. And like, I really crave that. That's really useful. But for example, like I, I'm not at all surprised to find out that my best night of sleep is usually a Saturday night. And often my worst night of sleep is a Sunday night. Well, that's really good to know. Well, what do I do to change that? Well, I can reckon for one thing that I'm watching a lot of TV on Sunday nights. That's my big HBO night. That's my own little correlation. Right. But that's good to know. So if I see myself getting ding consistently on the amount of sleep for a Sunday night, I know that that's a place where I can improve. Well, how do I do other things? Make sure I got exercise that day because guess what? It's Sunday and I'm not getting as much exercise. Will that make a difference? I don't know. Maybe the data will tell me. But like, it doesn't hurt to be motivated toward doing what you know is the right thing by having some, leaving a little bit of data behind what ends up motivating you to do it. You know, and, and again, sleep, sleep is a big one for me. Um, I, you know, I, 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 I've tried doing the food thing, but it feels like kind of a donkey drill. Like you've really got to do it. If you've got an app, like I think um, the go-to I know of on iOS is my fitness pal, which is pretty good at having things like name brands and restaurants and stuff like that. So, and you know, you can have favorites. So, like, if you eat brisket a lot, you can put brisket on your list. But you've really got to be dedicated to that. You know, you've got to be entering that. And I had two hard-boiled eggs for breakfast. So, like, that's pretty easy. But like, if you go to like a, like, what if you go to like a locally owned sandwich place? Like, what do you enter in? And right. like that, even that little bit of resistance can keep you from doing it. But I think for some people, for people who are real nerds at this stuff, the food tracking is definitely something that's very interesting. And we'll certainly, I guess, tell you things about your patterns. Are you drinking more coffee? Are you drinking less alcohol? You know, all the kinds of things that, you know, might end up having an impact on how you're succeeding at your goals. Right. And I mean, it's easy to forget. Oh, yeah, you remember, I did have that snack, you know, halfway through the day. I, I forgot about that. You know, that those kinds of things are easy to forget. It's also easy to forget when you did something good. Like, oh, you know, I forgot I went up the stairs instead of taking the elevator twice. Yeah, that's right. And and that's where things like um, the app Streaks can give you a reminder. So like in the afternoon, if I haven't worked out for – worked out – if I haven't walked for 20 minutes, it'll give me a little ding and say, hey, remember, you, you want to get 20 minutes of walking every day. And that can be a good reminder uh, as long as you don't go numb to it. But, you know, y- you can find your own level with this stuff. Like for me, I tried doing the breathe thing with my watch, but it started out being interesting, slowly became annoying – and eventually became ignored to where mm. I eventually turned it off because I said, for now, this is not a thing I'm going to do because I don't need another pop-up. We'll talk about notifications more in a little bit, but I don't need another pop-up in my life, right? Especially if it's something I'm never going to do anything about. Like, why bring that aggravation on yourself? So if you're thinking about trying this stuff out, like, you know, a lot of these sites, you don't even need a dingus to do it. I think having a dingus is good because it doesn't rely on your willpower to track. So, you know, you can do this if you have an Apple uh, iPhone. There's a lot of stuff that your phone can be tracking for you. If, you're, if your phone is with you all the time, almost all the time, you know, it's tracking your steps, I believe. Right. I mean, it's, yeah. it's tracking a lot of stuff on there. You don't need an Apple Watch to do that. 
So, you know, you don't have to go full nerd on this, but to just identify the stuff that you want to start tracking, you don't even have to really think about it for a while. Just let that data accumulate and you'll see patterns. I can tell you, I walk a lot less in the summer because I'm not doing pickup and drop off every day. Not, I don't do, you know, I don't do both every day, but like I do pick up pretty much every day. And like, you know, it's nice to see that on there. I went to school three times, went to school and back three times yesterday. We forgot homework, so we had to Ugh. go back. But um, but yeah, I mean, and that led to like almost twice the steps I get on a typical weekend. Like, that's good for me to know. I think this is potentially very promising. I think it's a little silly now. I wish I knew more about how they came up with these numbers, but uh, exist.io, it's a fun thing. Exist.io exist.io thank you very much for the question uh listener dr don exist friend of the show don friend of the show you've been on a show i've been on a show john's been on a show yeah he's got a good show did you talk about beef jerky with him yeah he's the one that put me off of it yeah that's no good i mean put me off of making it myself and 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 forced me to buy a commercially available product change the way you think about jerky yeah i'm still not happy about that i like him as a person but yes that's about he's as far the as it um, goes. he's the messenger. He's the bearer of bad tidings. Yeah. yeah, you don't want you want good tidings. Yeah, only. Hmm. Uh, did you want to tell me about uh, another thing that you like? Yeah, I'll tell you a little bit about ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter. You've heard of ZipRecruiter? Sure, I heard of ZipRecruiter. It's hard to hire people, Dan. I don't know if you had to hire people. It's hard. Merlin, are you hiring? Huh? Sure. Do you know where to post your job to find the best candidates? Nope. That's why I still haven't hired someone. I that- have no idea where to even begin. We kid, but this is a serious problem. This is a problem because there are tons and tons of job sites out there. And some of them are going to be good. Some of them are not going to be good. But the reality is you kind of want to reach out to the potential new employee. You You want to go everywhere that they might be. You want to be everywhere for them to find. And this is what ZipRecruiter helps you with. They're not just some kind of, oh, it's just another job board. Not at all. Uh, you, they let you post your job to more than a hundred job sites with just one click and then their technology matches the right people to your job and they do this better than anybody else. And this is how they're different. Unlike just a job site, they don't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them. In fact, over 80% of the jobs posted on ZipRecruiter get a qualified candidate in just 24 hours. If you've ever been through the, the hiring process, that's insanely short amount of time to, to find somebody. Uh, you don't have to juggle emails. You don't have to have calls coming in. You can screen, you can rate, and you can manage the candidates all in one place right in their dashboard. And that is in- incredibly valuable. Super, super cool service. Uh, and you can find out why tons of businesses are using this service by going and trying it out for free. Just go to zip recruiter ziprecruiter.com slash back to work again ziprecruiter.com slash back to work and you'll get to try it out for free which is really nice that special url and you can experience what it's like to uh to post to 100 job boards and not have to go and follow up on every single one of them they make it so easy to do it and we sure do appreciate their support thanks very much to ziprecruiter for supporting five by five and back to work ziprecruiter.com slash back to work Thanks, ZipRecruiter. Bok, bok. What a different world, Dan. What a different world in which we live. I know. I'm glad they're out there. I was glad they exist. Mm-hmm. ZipRecruiter abides. I have a um, <laughs> topic suggestion from listener Eric. 
I just thought this would be a good chance for us to bitch a little bit. Listener Eric says, uh, I'm curious if you have any thoughts on suppressing more and more push notifications, badges, or any other new activity indicators on your devices. Like Dan, I've severely limited the amount of notifications I'll allow, turned off the mail badge count, um, just thinking it's time to do so with messages. I was recently horrified when this tweet of a notification from... When this tweet of a notification from Facebook declaring around 100 different notification items the user has ignored in one compact push notification. Gross. Mm. Pretty sure I don't need to know about anything immediately that won't expire. Good question from listener Eric. I wanted to get an update from you on uh, how you're handling notifications. How I'm handling them? How you're handling them. Uh, how I'm uh, – I have almost all my notifications turned off now. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I – you know, I, I just I find things to be so distracted, distracting. I have everything turned off uh, with a few exceptions. Obviously, you know, if, if I'm going to get a text from my wife or now my my uh, son, I want to get those. But pretty much that is it except for calendar events and things that I need to go to. I don't want to get anything else. I never want to see a growl notification that I have an email that's not important to me. I don't even want my mail app running most of the time. I want to go well, in. What if, there's a, what if there's a new show on HBO, Dan? Do you want to know about that? Something is ready for download uh, from iTunes. No. What if, what, if it's, uh, what, if it's, what if it's Father's Day and you need to get a table with Open Table? No. I don't want hmm. that either. There's one exception that I'm look, as I'm looking at the stuff that I have notifying me. Um, we use Stripe for payment processing with, uh, with Fireside. And so every morning I get a note from Stripe that shows me the previous day's revenue so I can see, you know, how much money oh, that's we, cool. we made. That's a really cool one because that gives me kind of a picture of, you know, it be, but it's not showing how many signups we got or anything like that. What it's showing is how, you know, because every, everybody's on a different billing cycle. So if you sign up today in a month, you're going to get billed for the last month. So it kind of gives you a picture of how it's, how the business is doing. And that's super useful uh, for me to see and and uh, something that I like to know at the start of the day, but there are, there are very few other things that I really want to distract me. Tell calendar can tell me where I need to go and what I need to do. Reminders will remind me to do something, and then a very important message could come through from some of the people on my VIP list. Uh, and it's very easy to put someone on on your VIP list, and th- their messages will come through. You're on there, family's on there, a couple friends, and that's about it. And mm-hmm. I. I really don't need to get like a weather update if it's starting to rain. Uh, I'll just look and see if that's there. I don't need Google Maps to tell me how far away I am from where it thinks I should be at 5 p.m. You know what I'm saying? I just I don't Mm -hmm. need any of that. I want to live a simple life. What about you? Yeah, I'm with you. I um, I I feel like one thing that happens with me is um, I mean, in my wish list of stuff for some future version of iOS. Um, I talked about this, I think, yeah, yeah, when I was on Canvas uh, with Federico and Fraser. But like one thing I wish is, I kind of wish, I don't want the slide gesture to become too uh, cluttered. But one of my problems is like I get an annoying notification and it's it's an annoying notification. Like it's just interrupted me from something I'd rather be doing. So ironically enough, I usually don't stop in that moment and go change the notification settings when they bug me. And I mean, how many days, weeks, months do I put up with that before I finally go, oh, 
Okay, Pigment, I don't need to know about any new coloring books that have been added. Shame on you for doing that. Um, so I feel like, you know, I do kind of wish there was a little bit more power in the slide. I, for example, I mean, I can imagine things, and again, I'm not an engineer, but I could imagine like when you slide from right to left, say on the lock screen or from wherever, one of those would be a really, a no-brainer to me is slide to, and then select or however, to go and change notifications for this app right now. Do you know what I mean? Yes. And that would be where, like to me, it would be really handy to say, um, you know, when I, next time I get a pop-up from stupid open table, like... It drives me crazy, especially when there's an app that I do need notifications from or really desire notifications, delivery services, right? I want to know if the Postmates is on the way. That's really good for me to know, but I don't want marketing messages. So, you know, you could be cool like uh, DoorDash and make those different buttons you click, right? Where you can say opt out of marketing notifications, but most people don't do that. It's just all one big hairball. But like, I would love to be able to say, okay, like I've had enough of this, slide right to left to go straight into settings and be able to change the settings for that particular notification. There's also like, I guess there's a part of me that thinks I would also sometimes like to be able to, I don't know if it's through a slide, but where it's sort of like, um, you know, I, I, I wish it was easier to say do or don't do a thing for this amount of time. Right. Where like if I'm, there's a couple shows I post at, uh, at night in the evening later in the week where I'm kind of often talking to the editor or I'm talking to my co-hosts, you know, an example due by Friday comes up where we record on Wednesdays, Alex edits on Thursday and we put it up Thursday night, Friday. And we do a lot of back and forth that you guys don't need to know about, about things like titles, things like what gets cut out, all kinds of stuff like that. I'd love to be able to say like, you know, turn on, do not disturb for two hours or turn off, do not disturb for four hours right. and then resume whatever the state of that should be. Like, I really like do not disturb, but like the other night, my daughter texted me, you know, from bed <laughs> and said, come see me. And, and then I didn't get it. And then she said, are you coming? And then like 15 minutes later, I finally saw the message and I went and looked and she was asleep and she was really sad the next day Aww, that I had come in to see her. Man. Like, I know whatever, but like, you know, I turn on do not disturb. I turn on uh, night shift and do not disturb uh, at seven thirty. Well, no, I'm sorry. I turn on, night shift at 7.30. I turn on Do Not Disturb at I think like 8 or 8.30. But anyway, that's an example where like I don't want to get rid of all notifications forever, but like if you're on jury duty or something, like wouldn't it be nice to be able to say I I can't and won't do anything about what you tell me until at least 12.30 p.m. So I kind of wish there was an easier way to say like I do want these. These are the ones I do want, and but I want them at this time. You know what I mean? Because that that would be handy. As far as the other ones, yeah, I'm with you. I have gotten a lot more picky. Um, I've gotten a little more picky. I'm not as picky as I should be. I still, it's not a simple, fast affair to go in and change your notifications, right? Because it's per app. It's it's one of those weird pieces of Apple UI that really has not caught up with what it needs to be doing. It's in the same way that iTunes is now so overrun with all of these different things that like, it's not really good at doing any of them. Right. Dealing with notifications in the iOS settings is not easy, um, but it's worth it. Uh, here, here's the first one I'll say right now. Um, unless you really need it, consider shutting off the badges, meaning that for many apps that provide notifications or what have you, you'll see that little red number in a circle whether that's how many emails you haven't read, 
uh, deliveries updates, unless you really need that, unless you really benefit from seeing that on the screen. This is separate from a pop-up. So it's kind of a strange misnomer to me that that's under notifications, but I get it. But if you're sick of seeing all those little red things with numbers, I look at other people's phones and I get so stressed out, where I see four digits of unread email and it just stresses me out just to look at it. <laughs> Unless you are benefiting from being reminded of what's not done by looking at the icon, do consider going into notifications and shutting off badges on everything where you don't need it. Um, I do that for OmniFocus because I, it doesn't benefit me to see the number three. Well, like three what? Three, three, go look at the app more. Like it'll pop up if it's a thing that's due. Like that's fine. That's how the app works. But I mean, that's a number one sanity saving thing to me is to go and shut that off. This could be something where like you're in line at the DMV. You don't have anything better to do with your time. Consider going through your notifications and look at them one at a time and mindfully look at what the options are. Like, do you need to see this on your lock screen? Do you need to see this at all? Do you need to see that badge? And I, I think it would be beneficial to go in and setting aside the times you notice this and go do something about it, maybe go give yourself a little audit and go through and look at all the ones you're getting and think about whether they're providing value to you. Because I feel like it accretes. The, the little tiny pebbles of stress accrete over time. It's not going to all just be at one time. But, you know, there's no need. If you don't need to know that stuff, turn it off. Who needs to know it? Well, you know, there are times you do need to know, but um, let me go back to the uh, listener's actual question. Messages. Yeah, I think I do want to know how many messages. It's also neat. I mean, I don't know if everybody knows this, but like, for example, <laughs> my daughter, whom I love, she likes to, to, to take the mickey a little bit. So like, she, like while I'm recording a podcast, she'll send me the same picture of Donald Trump 60 times because that's <laughs> a funny thing we do. Right. But like, if you can't deal with that right now, here on um, the Mac, you go to details and you click on do not disturb. There's do not disturb per thread in uh, messages. And you can do that on your phone. I think it's per device. So what you basically say is like, while I'm on this device, DND um, notifications for any of these messages. Like if it's something where it's really busy and you don't need to know about it, maybe it's a thread where they're talking about Janice's birthday lunch and you just want to be muted on that for now, you can always DND that per device. I think that kind of thing is really handy too. I'm glad they have that feature in there. Well, again, with all the work that they're doing on artificial intelligence and things like that, uh, you know, I really, really want the kind of intelligence where it, it there's some kind of contextual awareness of what's going on. Like, wouldn't it yeah. be nice if you didn't have to explain to your phone or computer or whatever it was that, you know, it's two o'clock in the morning, the lights are out, your pulse and breathing is very slow. Your, your watch or Fitbit has noticed that you have been asleep for four hours. Right. It understands what <laughs> sleeping is. Maybe don't wake you up because, you know, you, you got an email. It should, it should know those kinds of things in a, in, a, in a bigger way. And we're not really, we're not that far away from that kind of thing that when you wake up that you're, your intelligent device friend will tell you, oh, you know, you, you got a bunch of emails and here's what the weather's going to be like. And do you want to hear more about that? No, tell me later. Okay. You know, to have that kind of intelligence, we're so close. We're so close to it. And having the device kind of get the gist of what's going on to understand Merlin's asleep. We don't yeah. need to bug him right now. For this, for this level of thing, you well, it's, know, it's really it's fatiguing um, to like 
when you've got things set in their default state and that default state is fireworks whenever it feels like it, it becomes very fatiguing. And I, I agree with you. I think it should get smarter for, for sure. Yeah. Um, what was the other thing I was going to say related to this? Yeah, there, there's a thing where like on Alexa, there's a thing on the Amazon lady in a can where – Stop, Alexa, stop. Thank you. Where if you've done – you can have a setting where if your – something you've ordered has shipped, it spins the ring on all of your devices in like a, a blue or I think a purple right, color. Right, right. Oh, my God. That's that's crazy making to me. Yeah. Like shut it off. Like that is all – that is all so bad. I had another great example. What was my other great example? Um but the kind of thing where, like, if you're, if you're, if this is not providing value to you, like, don't suffer it. You know, that's, that's just crazy. Like, it's just, that's, that's no way to live. And I, I think these things can get smarter and will get smarter. I don't want them to get so smart that I miss stuff. But, like, you know, another example of the fatigue I feel like is if you're using, let's, let's look at Twitter, not, not to bag on Twitter, but Twitter is constantly introducing these new, little changes to get you to see and do more stuff. For example, moments, which I have used. I use moments a couple times a day just to go look at what they think is important. Well, I've had this new thing where it's like, hey, here's a million little stories about this thing, not just this one area about this story. And it's like, it's really gross. I, I don't like the thing with like the since you were away on Tumblr or like things you might have missed on Twitter. And so what do I do? I do the same thing every time. I've never not hit see less often. Every time it comes up, I always click on see less often. Yeah. I don't I think that's an elevator button. Like I don't think that's attached to anything. It's fatiguing to feel like you're <laughs> trying to do button. something. Right. The down the up the up button is not attached to anything. Right? It's like that's that is fatiguing to feel like you've provided me an affordance with what feels like a clear um result or consequence. Like what happens when we stop trusting our buttons? Like what happens when it starts guessing that you didn't actually mean to turn the light on in the bathroom? Right. Well, I, you know, if it says see less often, like guys get it. Am, am I actually seeing it less often? Cause it doesn't feel like I'm seeing it less often. It feels like you just put that there to make me interact for that matter. You know, Fitbit, every time I open Fitbit sleep tracking, it tries to give me some little bon mot about of advice about sleep. And it does that passive aggressive thing. You know, the confirm shaming where it's like, did you like this? And you have to hit like or dislike. And if you hit like, of course, it asks you to review the app. <laughs> if you hit dislike, it says, why don't you like us? Do you want to send us feedback? Mm. It's like, no, I don't want either. I don't want either. I, 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 no, I return no. When you pop up a thing for do I want the news? No, I've never wanted the newsletter. I don't want the newsletter. No newsletter. I want to go look at your dumb article and then leave. I don't know. I think, but I guess the point I'm trying to make is that, like, believe me, the folks out there are scrambling for your attention. And constantly, very deliberately adding new things to get you more engaged with what they're doing and to, like, if necessary, lasso you back into their world. And they are going to just keep putting – they're not bad people, but, like, that's their deal. Their deal is interaction. You know, Open Table needs you to be using Open Table. Um, but just remember that, like, to have a little bit of self-care and self-defense to go in and not become totally inured to all of those. Oh, my God, my family – 
my, my freaking family, their phone, first of all, they have their phone set to sleep after like seven hours. Like their screens are just always on. Oh, the yeah. This is all the way up. And the beep, beep, beep ringtone is always on. So every family event, it, it sounds like the end of the world. <laughs> like, I don't know, just for my sanity, like I really, if I get an alert or a notification, I, I you know what? And having said all this and preached this, I'm going to redouble my efforts. If I'm getting notifications that I don't actually need, this week, I'm going to go in and I'm going to change it. It would be nice if that's synced across all devices. doesn't right now. But you know, do, do, yourself, do yourself a favor. Give yourself some sanity. Shut it off. These young people. I know. Mm. But, you know, that, that was, that's part of the allure of the Apple Watch is the constant notifications that, that people seem to like. I mean, people seem to yeah. like this. They seem we're, we're weird. We are weird because we don't we want weird. this. No, I think it makes people feel alive. It's like, Hey, a machine is still interested in me. Right. Yay. I win. I win Tuesday. Uh, whereas I, I generally do mirror settings with my phone, but I don't have that many apps. For example, like what are the kinds of apps I've got on here? Um, Boy, I love that shelf. That thing has been great. I got the Canary app. Just press record. Home. Lift. I think it's kind of cool. My lift's on the way. My my uh, my watch dings. That's handy. Um, finally got off the Uber. I'm all li- I'm all in on Lift now. Uh, what other kinds of things? Oh, I love. You don't have a watch, so you won't know this. But one thing I do love is when you're doing directions on your phone, you get uh. Remember, like uh, the sound of a blinker on an old yeah, American I, car. Yeah, I, I remember that from when I used to have an Apple Watch. Tink, super tink, use, tink, super tink, useful. Tink, tink. Yeah, and it tells you around your li- li- uh, wrist when it's time to turn left. I think that's super right. Cool. One is there's one pattern for left, one pattern for right. So what? So one what? goes east, one goes west. So what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, I think we've given the people enough. Eighty-four solid minutes of love. Yeah. You feel good about this? I feel solid about it. We've recorded a lot of shows. I know. Recently. I know. People seem to like them. I hope so. Well, I don't want a notification if they don't. <laughs> See what I did? I got it. Took it, it. Took it and turned it. All right, let's button this up. I love you. <laughs> I love you too, Merlin, man.